We might not think about museums on a daily basis or think about important works of art, but I'm sure that anybody who saw Notre Dame burning down um, last April uh, felt a, a, a pain in the stomach and wished had never witnessed those, uh, had never seen those images. So we do, even when we don't think we care about art, we truly do because we are just used to knowing that or the, the, the civilization left marks of its great genius for us to, to enjoy. Welcome to Warfare of Art and Law, the podcast that focuses on how justice does or doesn't play out when art and law overlap. Hi everyone, it's Stephanie, and that was Anna Bottinelli, president of the Monuments Men and Women Foundation. In the following conversation, Ms. Bottinelli shares how the foundation came about and how its mission has evolved since it began. She gives examples about some of the objects the foundation has been able to return to their rightful owners and why the return of cultural patrimony to its rightful home is significant for all of us. Anna Bottinelli, welcome to Warfare of Art and Law. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Stephanie, for having me. The monuments men and women are such a compelling part of history that was long overlooked. Would you share a bit about the monuments men's story and how it inspired the creation of the Monuments Men Foundation? Sure, absolutely. Um, So uh, the monuments men and women were a group of... um, 348 um, curators, museums, officials, librarians, architects, um, all but soldiers with uh, pretty established careers and families that um, during World War II, they volunteered uh, on the European continent first and then uh, in Asia to preserve the art from damage caused by the war and eventually once they realized of the looting, the ongoing looting that the Nazi were carrying out and finding this looted art and return it to the rightful owners. Uh, the Monuments Men Foundation was founded in 2007 when our uh, founder and chairman, Robert Edsel, realized that their story was um, not known. And we know so much about World War II and there are so many books and movies uh, done about every uh, aspect of it. And yet there was this major story that um, that concerned the future of the works of art that nowadays we all admire that nobody knew about. And so the foundation uh, was a little bit of a, a consequence of finding out this big gap and uh, and uh, having the, the desire to make sure that these heroes of civilization would um, receive the deserved recognition. How has the foundation's mission evolved since it began uh, in 2007? Well, the, in 2007, the foundation's purpose was that of, um, first of all, finding all of the monuments, men and women that were still alive, and we did find uh, 21. Uh, now there is only one uh, monuments man who's still alive. Um, and uh, once, um, after finding them, then it was uh, a matter of recording their story and making sure that their legacy would be preserved in our archives and that all of their their stories, not just the the ones that you can easily find 
from um, wartime records and reports, but the more personal aspects that only a living history um, can, uh, a, a living person can tell. And then with that, of course, there was the next step of making sure that their memory was uh, honored and recognized, and we obtained that uh, after nine years of work uh, with uh, U.S. Congress uh, when we finally passed the bill that awarded them the Congressional Gold Medal. And in 2015, um, the, there was the actual ceremony where they were four of them, three men and one woman, were able to uh, accept the medal on behalf of all of the others. But uh, that was the, the, the way the foundation started. But then we sort of checked that uh, objective once the medal was um, w- was given to them. And therefore, the foundation reworked uh, his uh, mission um, into the uh, continuation of the monuments men and women started at the end of World War II, that of finding the works of art and return them to the rightful owners and continue this um treasure hunt of the hundreds of thousands of objects that are still missing. And uh, to date, we have returned, found and returned um, over uh, 38 objects. And um, we are continuing to um, close this chapter of history. And the archives that you mentioned, is that uh, collected in one repository? We, um, the, the, the foundation archives, um, we have compiled our archives uh, in about a decade, but two years ago, we donated them to the National World War II Museum um, in New Orleans uh, for two reasons. One, that museum, it's, uh, it's just a, a, the, the institution in the United States that presents the American efforts during World War II, so it was the, the most fitting place for that uh, archival content um, to, to, to be among the, the, the other massive collection that the museum has. But it also, because the museum is currently working on uh, a Monuments Men gallery that will be a permanent gallery dedicated to the Monuments Men and Women that will be part of their last um, pavilion of the um, several million dollar campus. And that will be, it, it, it was just uh, the best way to make sure that visitors that access the gallery and visit the gallery, then if um, they want to do more research on the subject, then they would have access to the physical documents right on that same premise. And the, the Monuments Bank Gallery will recreate, uh, one of the spaces will recreate a soul mine to give the visitor the, the, the sense of what it must have felt like for this men and women, well, men, sorry, the women were not, um, did not go in the soul mines, but for these men to uh, go uh, hundreds of feet underground and discover these masterpieces. And so visitors can go into the salt mine and, and explore? And explore, exactly. There will be three or four spaces, but yes, one will be a salt mine and really explore what it was uh, to discover this works of art. That's such a uh, unique way to uh, immerse everyone into what the soldiers were really experiencing. Absolutely. And the National World War II Museum has just been uh, wonderful at really recreating throughout the whole spaces of their massive exhibition this uh, feeling for visitors to uh, be as close as possible to the what the, the soldiers felt throughout the World War II. 
You'd mentioned that some of the men and women were able to archive their stories. Uh, are there um, tapes that the new visitors would they would be able to listen to? Absolutely, yes. We have, yes, absolutely. We have um, hundreds of hours of interviews with the monuments men and women that we found, and those interviews have also been given to the World War II Museum that will integrate them in their exhibition. So there is nothing like hearing firsthand uh, what it was like. As far as the vision for the future of the foundation, what do you have in mind for that? Well, I'm um, I'm very much interested in the educational aspect as far as um, the, the, the preservation of cultural heritage is not a problem that pertains and is limited to World War II history. It's something that we are faced with uh, nowadays, especially with budget cuts to government. Uh, it becomes uh, everybody's responsibility to um, treasure and look after the cultural heritage of our own country, town, city, country, and then truly the whole world, because we all share this heritage. And so one of the missions of the foundation is to use the legacy of the monuments men to raise awareness about the importance of uh, caring for the preservation of cultural heritage. And uh, as a result, we are working, we're going to launch very soon a membership program that will allow people to uh, become more and more involved with the foundation at different levels and participate in different um, programs. And um, so the, this, uh, this portion of the foundation mission is being currently uh, developed. We also have uh, about 300 art leads of um works of art that were possibly taken from Europe that were working into determining if they were if, if they do belong to sub, to somebody else and who is that person or institution and how to go about returning them. So we're busy at work on provenance research uh, matters as well. As far as the 300 works that you are investigating, what's that process like? Um, it is um, most of the leads that we get are a consequence of a return that we make. It's very important for us to generate a lot of press when we make a return because that is the best way for us to reach the most number of people. We don't work, the, we, we are um, a parallel um, but different from a law enforcement agency. We cannot go to somebody's house, knock at the door and ask to take something off the wall. So the, our, our, um, our weapon is awareness. And uh, the more people know about us, the more people know about what happened during World War II, and the more people know that there are still missing objects, then they will um, look through what they own. They will go back to their grandparents, uncles who fought during the war, and then um, find out if something had been taken. Uh, back home most of the times as a souvenir, and then they will contact us and uh, present this object and uh, let us do the research that's necessary to determine whether they have um, title to owning this or if uh, this uh, object does indeed belong uh, elsewhere. And in that case, then we get possession of the of the object. And in all of our years of work, we've always found great co collaboration from these families um, Everybody is so um, willing to just do the right thing and close a chapter of history. We uh, have never encountered any resistance from anybody or uh, 
asking uh, for money or finding finders fee because we don't that the foundation doesn't get paid for this portion of its job and neither does the the person that returns the object it is really a matter of goodwill and it is uplifting to uh especially in today's world to um come across so many acts of good um of goodwill when we hear so many bad stories and about the evil of humanity but there are also a lot of good people out there that are really really looking forward to do the right thing and your website has uh some examples of that listed it's uh, sort of a, a treasure trove of interesting stories yes we have um What's interesting is that there isn't a one comprehensive database that has all of the objects or works of art missing since the war. Countries in Europe have their own database, which is more or less updated, uh, but there isn't one place where anybody can go and just look for it. So what the foundation tried to do uh, was to compile the first a, comp- a, a top 25 list of the most wanted works of art that, according to us, are the biggest um, artworks still missing since the war. And this is our subjective choice based on the prominence of the artist or the importance of the work, of the work itself, and the ones that we think are still out there. In fact, there are others that uh, are missing but are most likely destroyed, so that wouldn't make sense to add them to a list. And this list was an attempt at creating, at starting the process of creating a comprehensive list of what it is that's still missing. But then, of course, that applies to the most uh, well-known artists and, and artworks, but there are so many smaller artists and less important works of art that probably... Um, would never make a list uh, just because we don't necessarily know about them, but uh, are just as important. When you do get tips and are researching this, would you say that the foundation acts as a liaison between whoever is wanting to return a piece and the rightful owner once they're found? Well, the the, the rightful owners, well, the, the, the people that are um, currently in possession of the artifact, they wouldn't know how to even begin do the research and they usually don't want to call a law enforcement agency because there's so much unknown in this field that nobody wants to get in trouble. And the moment you start mentioning the FBI or everybody gets a little bit uh, concerned that they will uh, have consequences. So I don't know about the foundation being liaison as much as this um, super purpose, impartial organization that doesn't have anybody's interest at heart other than that of writing a wrong. And so um, we just take possession of the painting and from that on, well, of, of the painting, of the of the object, and, that, and then from then on, we act as if we were the owner of that object that needs to go back. And we, um, we have uh, developed very good relationships with governments in Europe and their representatives um, in Washington, D.C. So we usually coordinate with the embassies uh, and then um, return these objects in the States to the to the embassy. And then it is the, the, the country's embassy that handles the repatriation. And then we oftentimes have an, a second ceremony in Europe in the country of uh, return so that we get to celebrate both the people that in the United States are giving the the object, but also the ones that, that are receiving it on the other end. 
As far as the work the foundation does abroad, I read that the foundation has a collaboration with the Italian Cultural Heritage Protection Unit. Is that right? Yeah, that is a relationship that started in 2014 when the foundation found and returned eight um, books to the library of the University of Naples. The books were 500 year old and the University of Naples is one of the oldest in Europe. And these were books that an American GI found in the middle of a countryside and picked up thinking that the first rain would have destroyed them. And um, at 98 years old, um, the the, the last uh, wish of this uh, soldier was that of returning these books. And through family members, um, he reached us and we helped him return these books to Italy through uh, the help of the Carabinieri. So that is how we first uh, started working with the Carabinieri. And since then, we've developed very strong relationships, especially because if there are um, some heirs of the monuments, men and women, it's the Carabinieri, the Italian uh, Cultural Heritage um, Protection Unit. They're the only, Italy is the only uh, country that after the war, um, created a body, a police body dedicated to uh, the preservation of cultural heritage. And the Carabinieri nowadays are the ones that travel across the world um, instructing their police counterparts in different countries on how to approach matters of cultural heritage. And um, so we, we just uh, were very aligned with our mission and our dedication to the preservation of cultural heritage. And we worked with General Parulli until uh, a year ago. Now uh, his successor, uh, Riccardi, is just as uh, wonderful to work with. The Carbonieri had mentioned in an investigative documentary that you did hunting Nazi treasure uh, a couple of years ago that it was about 2,000 World War II cases that were still outstanding, which kind of gives you a, a general understanding of the scale of what's still uh, going on out there as far as missing art from that era. Absolutely. Do you know if any of those cases have been resolved, if that number has gone down? Well, the, uh, it has uh, for sure gone down by one. Uh, this last uh, July it was a huge, um, uh, wonderful and very important return to the city of Florence, obtaining uh, by uh, Jan van Heysen of Vaz, um of flowers that had gone missing uh, in uh, 45 while the um, Nazis were, um, t- uh, the Nazis had taken, had loaded um, a couple of hundreds worth of art belonging to the museums of Florence on some trucks and took them north towards the border uh, of the Reich. Then they hid them in the on the Italian side um, of the Alps mountains, but the intention was that of taking them across the mountains and then into um, into a Nazi territory. Now, um, when the monuments men arrived in those repositories up north, they found almost all of the works of art taken from Florence, except for a few, including this Jan van Heysen painting. And then in the late in the sixties and seventies, uh, a few of the missing ones were found, but this vase of Jan van Heysen was still uh, missing. And through the research of the Carabinieri and then other institutions, they um, pretty much knew the whereabouts. But then that's when the, the the cases become very complicated because each country has different statutes of limitation. And therefore, an owner uh, of an object can claim 
a title to something, even if it had been stolen years before. And so that's when it becomes very complicated. But finally, after really uh, important work of diplomacy between Germany and Italy and the visibility that uh, our documentary gave to this case, um, Florence was actually able to uh, get the painting back last July, and it was a very, very, very exciting moment, I think, for the whole country, not just Florence. So at least, yes, but there are still 2,000 minus one missing, and um, the, and that's only for Italy. Then you have Poland and Germany and France, and the list goes on and on. Those cases in Italy, with your relationship with the Cabanieri, do you uh, actively work on any of those cases with them, or it just depends on the object? It definitely depends on a case-by-case. When the monuments men have anything to do with the case that they're working on, then the the Cabanieri will call us and ask for uh, help. so, uh, because we, uh, the, the Monuments Men Foundation is the leading expert on the subject. Uh, so we have uh, at times shared uh, reports, official reports, and uh, other information that we had that they they would have uh, maybe probably got access to. But if they can save time, when we have everything at our fingertips, uh, why uh, there, there are enough complicated cases that at least wherever there is an easy answer, it might as well go that way. And and the same is for us whenever we need something that's more um, Italy-related, and we would just pick up the phone and ask. There is a very uh, mutual collaboration, but it's on a case-by-case basis. And you've overseen numerous restitutions of objects to individuals and museums in Europe. Is that right? Yes, that is right. We return um, things to Italy, to um, Germany, so in Germany, we return them um, to both museums and individuals, and um, there is no return ceremony that's better than the other or more meaningful than the other. They're all so uh, such wonderful moments of reuniting uh, uh, an object with a person of, or heirs of a family that has been looking for them for 75-plus years. And we have other returns that uh, we were excited. Uh, we had planned them for the for the spring, but for obvious reasons, everything had to be put on hold. So we are looking forward to this virus situation to get under control, so that we can bring a few more things back to back where they belong. Are you able to give us any hints about those coming up? No, just uh, follow the foundation and then you sign up to our newsletter and all of the information will be shared in due time. But they're going from the States to Europe, I think. That's that I can say. So that's the direction. But yeah. And the newsletter, is that quarterly? It is a quarterly, yes. Um, yes, it's quarterly and it's um, free sign up on our website. Is there a restitution story that is especially meaningful to you? Um, well, um, I would I, I would mention the the, the Italian books. The, the Italian books is definitely very meaningful uh, to me, being Italian, and the um, the the veteran that had them was uh, too old to travel to Washington for the ceremony. So we made sure he lived in Chicago. We uh, made sure to have a smaller ceremony in Chicago where he could attend. And I remember during our research, we had come across a photo 
um, showing two soldiers on a pile of books in this uh, church of Minturno, which is um, in the end where the, the books, where he picked up the books. And I will forever remember how um, the moment we put this photo up on a screen, his uh, eyes lit up as if all of a sudden there was this uh, moment of his life that uh, he had removed or forgotten that was as clear as ever. And it made uh, such a strong connection to him to see that photo where he had been so many years ago. And he wasn't one of the GIs in the photo, but he might as well be because it was his unit. It was his uh, buddies. And that was a very uh, um, meaningful moment to allow him to participate in that uh, smaller return and hand them over hand the books over to us and then for us to go to Washington and for me personally to be giving something back to our to my country that was definitely very meaningful but the other great um moment that I was uh lucky to uh witness was when we returned three paintings to um the an art gallery in Dessau is Germany a very still a uh, poor um area and um Several paintings had been taken from this uh, gallery, and there was a curator there uh, who had been had been working at the gallery for over fifty years. And when we returned these three paintings, she was literally crying. Uh, she was very close to retire to retirement, and she said that every day of her job as a curator, she had been hoping to see at least one painting of the one missing. Uh, to return uh, into their collection and now she was there with three of them and it was the highlight of her career so it just those uh, small moments where you really feel you're touching uh, people's lives and the foundation is doing all of this as a gift to keep our heritage alive Yes, that's right. And that is why um, we rely greatly on the support of individual uh, the monuments men didn't do it for money and didn't do it for glory. They did it because it was the right thing to do. These were people that had their life made. They were in their 40s mostly. They had family. They had kids. They had achieved uh, high positions in their um, in their art curatorial or university world, and yet they walked away from everything to volunteer their time for art and cultural heritage. And so the Monuments Man Foundation feels that we need to walk in the same footsteps and do these things not for glory and not for money, but because it is the right thing to do. Then, of course, um, there is no mission without money. There's uh, so, of course, the, um, the 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 support of the, the financial support is uh, important for us to continue what we do. But that's not going to be the reason why we will start charging for this service. One of the individuals was uh, Captain Edith Standen. She was one of the 27 women that you mentioned were part of the Monuments Men. And uh, she was one of the only women to sign the Wiesbaden Manifesto, which was described during World War II as the only protest by officers against their orders. Yes. Would you describe the significance of the Wiesbaden Manifesto? Well, the Wiesbaden Manifesto has significance for World War II, but truly has a significance today. So with the Wiesbaden Manifesto, the uh, monuments men were um, refusing to obey to the order of packing 
uh, works of art, uh, some 200 works of art belonging to the German museums and ship them to uh, the United States. And what they what they wrote in this manifesto was that nothing will cause a greater and lasting friction between countries than that of removing cultural property belonging to a country and take it elsewhere. And there is really nothing um, truer that was ever written because we see it even nowadays, the uh, struggles from countries to get their um, their uh, cultural objects back and um it is cultural heritage is the identity of a country the identity of a people they're not just goods that can be moved back and forth they do belong they do um build the 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 part and parcel of a of a community's life and even um we see a lot of uh countries in africa now that are trying to get a lot of the during colonialism had been taken out of their countries. And in those cases, some objects are truly meaningful for their community rituals. So we look at objects with a Western approach, but there are um, they're not just decorative. They're not just things to hang on the wall. They're things that have a life as part of a community. And it's only right sometimes that these objects do go back to the community that uh, that own them. So yes, the importance of the Wiesbaden Manifesto was absolutely, uh, uh, the, the, like you said, the only uh, example of um, refusing to follow orders. And they knew that had this order, had this manifesto been uh, presented back to the to the to the to the generals, they could have raised um, court martial. So they signed this manifesto at great personal risk, but it was, they felt that it was the right thing to say and it did uh, make a lasting impact for the decades and, and decades to come. And the foundation is teaching younger generations how uh, they can um, take on a role in avoiding that kind of friction between countries. Absolutely. It's um, like, like I said uh, at the beginning, the preservation of cultural heritage is truly uh, everybody's uh, concern. And um, and it has to, the change will have to start at a children level. Some older people can change their mind, but truly that make the difference is made if already at school level, children are exposed to art culture and the importance that they represent for the development of, uh, of uh, humanity. Are there any children's programs that the foundation will be offering in the future for this? In the future, for sure. We had uh, an educational program that we, uh, several years ago, we put together with uh, scholars and experts in the field. It was a, a wonderful nine part um, program that now would need to be up- updated because of so much has changed in this arena. Back when we did it, it was still a pretty new uh, field, and therefore um, we, 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 we withdrew the program waiting to uh, update it. But we're definitely working on um, other uh, things, other programs for uh, younger audiences. And then there is uh, Robert Edsel, a founder and chairman, that last year published a young adult version of his other books that um, presents the story, the whole story of the monuments, men and women, both in Northern Europe and Italy, to a young audience in a very engaging engaging uh, manner. So that would be the best way for a, a young reader to uh, learn about this um, 
about this uh, subject. The, the, the book is titled "The Greatest Treasure Hunt in History," and it's literally told as if the writer was, as if the reader was on the shoulders of the monument's van, and it's walking with them, discovering clues to then uh, find this uh, treasure at the end of the hunt. And they can also visit the Monuments Men Gallery at the National World War II Museum that's going to be open soon? Yes, it will open in a couple, in a couple of years, yes, a year and a half. That's right, yes. And then we have the, the foundation is, uh, has recently added an education page where we're adding, we continue to add education resources that could come in hand to anybody that's approaching this subject for the first time. So we have an alphabet of uh, like a glossary. We have several uh, tools that uh, can, um, can that allow someone to familiarize with certain concepts of this um, engaging story. Yeah, and the, uh, the alphabet was really engaging. It's uh, 26 very accessible bite-sized facts that give you a great overview of the war and the monuments men. Yeah, yeah. For anyone who wants more information, like you've been mentioning, um, the website monumentsmenfoundation.org is the best place to start. Absolutely. Yes. Or social media, since we're all spending so much time on our phones these days. So you're on Instagram? We are on Instagram, same Monumentsmen Foundation name, and on Facebook. Well, Anna, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for what you and the Monumentsmen Foundation are doing for our culture. Well, thank you, Stephanie, and all of your listeners. This was a pleasure to share about the foundation. There will be a link in the show notes to learn more about the Monuments Men and Women Foundation. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be much appreciated if you could leave a rating or review and tag Warfare of Art and Law podcast. You can also email your comments to Stephanie at warfareofartandlaw.com. Until next time, this is Stephanie Drotty bringing you Warfare of Art and Law. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. What are your plans for the second Saturday of this month? Perhaps consider joining in for a discussion about art, culture, and social issues. Hi, everyone. It's Stephanie. And every second Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, I host the Second Saturday Art and Justice Gathering, an online call that explores a range of topics from artists who might inspire to legal decisions that might infuriate, all with the aim of sparking dialogue about social justice and promoting creative thinking. If interested, please email me at stephanie at warfareofartandlaw.com.